Ba-da-da-da. Welcome to four the time's the charm where niches need. I'm your producer, Ben, alongside your director, Matt. Hi. And Ooh. the maestro of ceremonies has returned, our cinematographer himself. It's Monty. Ooh. Welcome back, Monty. What's um, up? What, what is up, dude? What is up? Ah, some fun weekend stuff, I guess. I finished the entire season of Twisted Metal. I know oh, you like video well, games. Okay, so what do you, you think of it? Uh, no, 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 the, the TV show. Um, oh, okay. I played the game a long time ago. I stopped after Black. Um, but I have to say, it was pretty good. And I love Samoa Joe. <laughs> yeah. Samoa Joe is in the TV show? He plays yeah, Sweet Tooth. He, he That's plays the awesome. body of Sweet Tooth. The body, Will yes. Arnett Will is Arnett the voice of Sweet Tooth. It was a which really is, good combination. They're really it's really combination. strange, though, because like, I don't know if you've ever listened to Samoa Joe's voice. Mm-hmm. He's a very but friendly he, guy. He's got a yeah, friendly but, voice. <laughs> sh- sure, but his voice is really deep. Like He could have done a really good Sweet Tooth. Yeah, he he plays, I don't I think, think so. He doesn't have that craziness, though. To his oh, okay, so he maybe wouldn't, he wouldn't have had the same kind of weight that a, I mean, when it yeah, because I think a sweet tooth, you need like a real. I barely even remember sweet tooth talking in the games, though. To be honest, I see that you guys have never seen Samoa Joe in TNA when he had a machete. Oh, I did. I I was watching then. Face tattoo Samoa Joe. Yeah, the best Samoa Joe. God, it. it Pete I, Joe, we I don't call remember him. him too much. The treatment of Samoa Joe in TNA is like, yeah. is like moi magnifico showing off how to cool someone off. No. I, I mean, I am, I am shocked that Samoa Joe stayed in TNA for as long as he did. He had like one of the best two year runs in his life. And then they spent like the next seven years telling you why you should have never cared about Samoa Joe. Oh God! Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Was well, he good as a wrestler though? Oh yeah, Samoa Joe at one time was like the best wrestler in the world. Oh, for like several AEW years. now, right? So. Yeah, yes. he's on AEW now. He's on the downswing of his career. Oh, yeah, he, um, he's kind of like in the AJ Styles point of his career. Where he's yeah, just I mean, like, oh. I mean, he's in his forties. It, it's not like a, it's not like a sad thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. he's he's had a very good run. Hmm. Some would say. So um, is he related to the Samoan family? No, no, no he is a separate Samoan oh, named Joe. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. the only he's, one who isn't special. Yeah, he's he's not Roman Reigns' Samoan Joe. He's the other Samoan Joe. What's the Samoa name of the Joe. family that they're all a part of that he's not? The, the Anawai oh. family. <laughs> what, were, what did yes, you say, Monty? Monty? That the is Blood their Line. last name. <laughs> Roman Reigns' real name is <laughs> Joe Bloodline. Oh, I wish. <laughs> Joe is, Bloodline, the, Josh Bloodline. This is the fan, is the yeah, fan fiction I've been waiting to watch. I think you guys definitely... If you are a fan of the game... Um, it's an interesting way of putting it, the 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 twist of converting that game into uh, a live action TV show. Um, okay. I've heard uh, people said that they made the same mistake as the first Mortal Kombat movie, but the, I, the live action one. Yeah, the live action one. But I I think it was I I didn't really notice it. I I thought they went the route 
that made it make sense um, to be a TV show. But yeah, definitely a 7 out of 10 and 3 out of 4 charms from me. Oh, it's pretty charming. Yeah, I'm a big fan of all of the Mortal Kombat live action films we've had. Yeah. I haven't. I have yet to see the most recent live action one, um, but everything else that's ever been released in that world. All has been two like, other movies. Yeah, I mean they've yeah. been wildly entertaining, and and there those two movies aren't the only live action material we've gotten out of that universe. We've had the there was the web show, multiple live like live action productions that were both independently and directly done, um. And they've all been really good. Some of the ones released online have been fan- some of the best adaptations. Yeah. Like this one, I say it carries the balance of the entire franchise where, mm-hmm. you know how, and Ben may know this, like the beginning of the franchise before Black, it was like kind of silly, goofy, mm-hmm. violent. And then when it got to Black, it got really dark. Um, I really I really like the dude whose arms are tires. Oh, Axel. Oh. Yeah. Axel's the shit. Yeah. Without spoiling it, I have a feeling he may show up in, in the second season. So, All right. I'm into yeah. it. That'd be cool. But I, yeah, this is like a perfect mix. Who cast as Axel? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I, I thir- at first, I, when, when they announced Anthony Mackie, I thought he was mm-hmm. going to play Axel, but he isn't. He's playing John Doe. Um, that works. But in, in the series, it's a good combination of comedy uh you know some serious moments and very bloody when it needs to be it's not not, not it doesn't necessary. shy away from it oh no no it doesn't the kill the blood the splatter everything it, it, it's hell like, yeah yeah sounds like a delight to <clears throat> me matt yes where has your uh last week taken you in the world of entertainment yeah so this week i came across something really interesting a friend of mine um got a book that was an atlas of fantasy maps right so i was looking through it and i had found and a bunch of them were really cool and i recognized all of them and i came across one i didn't recognize and so i i looked it up and it turns out it comes from a series called the fabled lands uh which is by uh jamie thompson david morris and russ nichols and what it is in a really interesting way is it's it's similar to a choose your own adventure book but it's an actually fully developed RPG in a book. So I'm a big reader of lit RPG, the literary genre of fiction. And, but this is like fully a literary RPG where you have stats and items and everything that you would see in a normal RPG, but it's all contained in one book. Um, and over time, uh, David Morris and Jamie Thompson released up to 12 of these. And each of them are continuations of like the story and the narrative world and increase and decrease in difficulty uh, based on the level of your character as you play the game and you travel to the different parts of the world that exist in each of the books. That sounds, that sounds really complex and really cool. It's yeah. really simple. Like when you're actually playing uh, or like engaging with it, but it's, it's super, super unique. I also wanted to uh, shout out a couple, uh, two book series. I just finished the most recent audio releases for these series. And I will at some point try to post a formal review of them. Um, The first is a series that is really fantastic, incredibly well-written and beautifully narrated, but has an overly long name. It's my best friend is an eldritch horror. 
Um, the most recent uh, book, Void Walker, just released. It's by. Is it uh, wait? Is it an Isekai? Uh, it's it's somewhat similar. It's a it's a lit RPG. Um, I think the uh the the author does a great job of describing it. it's a slice of life mixed with lit RPG in a magical school setting. A uh, slow build power fantasy by the uh, Arthur author Actus. He also released uh, the best-selling uh, uh, Monster Chef series, which is a lit RPG series about a uh, a character who's a chef for monsters. Um, I haven't <laughs> I could read. Have never guessed. I know. I I have to read it. But big shout out to the uh, my my best friend is an Eldritch Horror series. Uh, book four just released. Uh, when I started reading it, I was not sure if it would adequately pull off the setting and the setup especially given the name um but it, it really exceeds any expectations i could have had especially for a series that is a lit rpg that's in a magical academia setting uh i think magical academia settings are hard to pull off especially outside of urban fantasy uh but this does an incredible job of it great world building huge world and great writing by actus um and a very serious story. But on the very opposite end of it, um, I have another recommendation and another mini review for The Ripple System. Uh, the Ripple System is another lit RPG series. Um, this one uh, written by Kyle Kieran and uh, narrated by one of my favorite narrators in, audiobook, in the audiobook world right now, Travis Baldry. Um, he uh, did the entire uh, Cradle series by Will White, one of my favorite series. Um, this is a really great um comedy slash like tongue-in-cheek lit rpg fan uh vr mmo story um really incredibly well written in a deep deeply developed system and magic system that feels really unique um, and does a great job of utilizing the like current element that's prominent throughout the more slapstick and more joyous lit rpg uh, novels out there where you have a uh, sentient robot or sentient AI companion like character for your main character. Uh, and this does it in a super unique and fun way. So big shout out to the most recent book shatter soul, which I just finished and a, a big shout out to the ripple system series. If you're a fan of lit RPG and you read dungeon crawler, Carl, um, which is a great, another great book. This is another good one for you. So that, that, that's what I've been doing this week is just reading or listening to, um an exceptional amount of lit rpg i could well, just talk about that for the next two hours yeah it sounds like it but we do have our marching orders oh, uh for for me oh. the for me the uh last week i played about seven to ten hours straight of legend of zelda oracle of ages what is that you it said is, that in chat i've never heard of it so uh when Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask came out on Nintendo 64, Nintendo okay. wanted to have Game Boy Zelda games, but they were at capacity, so they outsourced them to Capcom. So okay. for the first time in canon, because we uh, forgot the Philips CDI games ever existed, uh, <laughs> they released two games at the same time, Legend of Zelda okay. Oracle of Seasons and Oracle of Ages, uh, which can like connect with each other and you can get secrets from one game and the other. So they're okay. sort of like sister games. They were released on the same day. So you can seasons. swap the cartridges to get 
the benefit of both sides? You or? get like passwords in one that you can use in the other, oh, and then you can whoa. share your character to an extent across both versions. That's really that there. Yeah, there's something similar in that in that RPG series I was talking about. It's really yeah. cool. So seasons is the one you should start with first. It's a little more action oriented, and then ages is more puzzle based. Uh, I think seasons is a bit more well structured and has had more thought and care put into it but i think some of the puzzles in oracle of ages are some of the best uh puzzle designs in the series uh and the items they put in it are ingenious and i'm so sad we don't get to see them in other zelda games especially 2d ones um so very clever games it's weird because it looks like Link's Awakening from like 1991 or 92 or 93 whatever Um, but it has elements from Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask in it like tingles in the game like what the fuck Uh, but it's because he's tingle (laughs) so it's a great time Uh, but we're not here to talk about tingle we're not here to talk about lit Um, RPGs what we're here to talk about I like lit RPG is we are putting our homework in. We're turning it in. Oh, we this feels each relevant. gave everyone a task to do since uh, two weeks ago before a mid-year roundup, and it's time we cash in. So I gave Monty an assignment. Monty gave Matt an assignment. And Matt Whoa. gave myself an assignment. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we're gonna start with my assignment to Monty, which was to watch one of my favorite sci-fi B-movies of all time. It is 2002's Terminal Invasion. CQ-1, this is Ellen Municipal Airport. Come in, please. If anyone can hear me, we have an emergency crisis that requires immediate law enforcement personnel. Star Trek's Chase Masterson for the first time anywhere. Terminal Invasion, tonight at 9 on Sci-Fi. What happens when you want to make The Thing on a budget? Sean Sexton Cunningham (laughs) of Friday the 13th fame tells us in 2002's direct-to-TV movie Terminal Invasion. A group of aliens cloak themselves as humans but are stuck in a snowstorm at a local mom-and-pop airport. Convict Jack, played by Bruce Campbell, finds that it's up to him to defeat the alien menace and save the Earth before it's too late, or at least get out before they get him. Weird transitions and odd one-liners aside, the movie's a lot of fun and provides a great framework for quality, simple, budget horror movie in the 2000s. Characters include Caddy Couple, Sexy Pilot, Suave convict, two kids up to no good, dopey police, a black man desperate to not die, elderly victims, an evil superpowered preacher, an affable security guard, and a hyperventilating woman built to die. Did Terminal you invasion, the CEO? <laughs> two thousand two. Yeah, that was the. Uh, that that's the evil. Oh yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, also an evil CEO. <laughs> Thank you for checking my homework, Monty. Yeah, uh, so, so I, I, I really movie. pays attention. I, I would, I, I would hope movie. you did. I'd like to to begin this discussion All with right. a quote from the movie that I feel like really um, 
encapsulates the vibe of the film. Oh. Okay. Uh, an <laughs> alien. Monty seems excited about that idea. <laughs> I'm curious which one he's gonna choose. Oh. Oh. With wait, Bruce what does Campbell that mean? locked to a pipe in the bathroom, the okay. evil okay. alien preacher approaches him and announces that his alien race are attempting to take over the world. And when Bruce Campbell asks why, he answers, because we don't like you. Monty, <laughs> give me your thoughts on Let's Bruce go. Campbell in Terminal Invasion. I have to say, I, I originally was, when, when I popped it in and this, mm-hmm. hit the play button, I was actually going to say, wow, um, this this would have been a really good TV movie. And okay. surely enough, when I looked, looked up <laughs> IMDb, it is a TV movie. Yeah, so, um, it met your expectations as well. It did. And another thing that, that caught my attention was, I think he is the father or one of the father of Friday 13th. The director, yes. Sean S. Oh. Cunningham. Yes. Sean oh, yes. Sexton yes. Cunningham. <clears throat> Sexton. Sean the S. Sexton. And yeah, I, uh, since you shared your quote, my favorite quote of the movie is when, when Bruce Campbell goes, you don't have to worry about who I've killed before. Just worry about who I'm going to kill next. And Ooh, I, that's, I, awesome. that's a great, that is thought, a good line. <laughs> I thought that, that was like awesome. Bruce Campbell obviously carried this movie um bruce fucking campbell is bruce fucking campbell right and i have to say like he played he he did a really good job playing this criminal that's trying to get himself out of there but you kind of know you know like he he played it well because they say he's a murderer but you don't know too much of what he did but he he sounds like he's just a thief or 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 something and he uh, well, that's how I played out his character because yeah. he doesn't feel like he wants to kill anyone. He wants to hurt anyone. He just needs to get out and cro- fly across the border to Canada. Hey. <laughs> He's a rogue. He, he comes across like a rogue. Yeah, okay. but he doesn't come off as bad. He just wants to get out as soon as quick as possible. Yeah. And he's got know, a goal, the- and he's just got to get there. And yeah, this the <laughs> the movie starts off with your typical characters that you would see, and you know, as you do see in these mm-hmm. air quotes, who 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 done it slash who is it? Um, who the, done did the, it? The, the the aliens popping up and around it didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I guess they just were. In town, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, don't well, you? Well, just... no, no. They explain it at the end of the movie. So this isolated, um, this isolated airport is a training area for them. So they use the area to try to blend in with humans. Oh, okay. I was talking so about that they at the can beginning. integrate was, themselves. I in, was trying uh, to figure out like how they did did that, but. Yeah, yeah they, they explain it in like with two minutes to go in the movie. Yeah. But they do yes. get there. They slide and, it in right at the end just so you know that there is a plot. Yes, they slide it at the end. Um, are we spoiling this movie or I does mean, anyone care? I, I <laughs> mean, good question I, there, Monty. I, I, feel like, I feel like this movie's for the vibes, right? Yeah. You know how this movie's going to play. Yeah. 
it, it's, um, it's, it's a Bruce Campbell vehicle, right? It, yes. It's a straight to video Bruce Campbell vehicle. What I love about this movie is it's written much better than you'd expect it to. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. The aliens Definitely. are simple but effective, and they have good tells for like introducing. Oh, he's an alien. It's paced pretty well. And for a movie that takes place in about four rooms, they okay. do a really good job of keeping you interested. <laughs> I feel that is true. And <laughs> and the and the characters, you get a pretty good idea of each character, right. and you develop, you know, a bit of a relationship with each of them. You know, you have a couple who are clearly having marital issues. You yeah, have uh, you have the CEO who yeah. just wants to pay, thinks he can get whatever he wants with money. Mm. Um, oh, the class. But there, there are like some good twists. Like Ben said at the start, this is like this is like if Thing was a TV movie, like with the I don't know the lowest budget of all. Um, yeah, just like it, it was. It was given only as little. It was a full moon feature. Yeah, exactly. Don't it, 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 it worked no. out pretty it's well. It's much better than a it full worked movie out feature. pretty nah, well. It doesn't sound know? like it, but I'll I'll give you credit for your idea, Ben. No, no, no. It's it's you got to watch it, Matt. It, oh, I will. I'll definitely watch it. It's a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. There, I was surprised of a the twist. They took a lot of elements from from the thing for sure. And oh, really? Yeah. It's yeah. it's definitely a let's do the thing movie it's a yeah. direct, but it does it's a keep it pretty different but like picture some, i don't know yeah. if you guys grew up watching like xena or or any of the sam raimi yeah. tv shows oh, yeah like yeah. picture the thing minus all the pra- the the awesome practical effect that okay what that's what made the thing the thing today yeah and replace it Rob with Boutine. all these like 90s cgi <laughs> oh it's not awful it's, uh, it's okay not come on great, like when they melt like, into an ooze and, and then evaporate in a cloud of smoke maybe i have <laughs> more stomach for it i i don't i feel like it could have been much worse here's here here's the thing ben it's when you say that and then and then you watch other movies that are wildly better mm-hmm and then you have and you have a different vastly, comment on that. Yeah, you have a vastly different mindset on it than would make sense based okay, on Okay, so your what's review. an example? The uh, name the a movie rem- that we watched recently. Name a movie we we seen together. What Me was or, it? or Ben? <laughs> All of us. Well, I ben, I would say ben any commented on any the, of on the, the full moon features films. <laughs> full moon feature Matt, the full moon features films aren't well written. They're not well directed. Like, see, like the see, visuals I, I, are the least of their concerns. I hear you. I disagree, but I'm I'm glad you have a strong opinion. Okay, you're just winding me up now. I've never anyway. wound you up in my life. <laughs> so, uh, I would say Bruce Campbell carried the film. I was impressed with Chase Matters- Masterson. Uh, yeah, she really. Pilot. She yeah, she's the pilot. Really well. She. She kept up with him throughout the movie. Yes. Like, he's That's a really impressive. big personality, and she yeah. matched him throughout the whole film. And, and That's all through really the impressive. film, my wife was wondering if she was an alien. Like, Ooh. we were trying to guess. Like, we we, we love these type of movies because we, tr- we would try to guess and try to figure out. And yeah, as you yeah, should. She, she did really well. Uh, a couple of cheesy dialogues, but... 
That's to be expected. I got one for you. Okay, yeah. let's hear I it. was <laughs> shot through the heart if I had one. <laughs> yep. You know what they say. Better, better written than any H.P. Lovecraft movie ever. <laughs> but I have to, you know, we all know Bruce Campbell is freaking awesome. We mentioned yeah. it, uh, his name so many times so far. But I have to give it Le- to... Legitimate legend. I have to give it to Kendar Brown. Okay. Yeah, Keter, Keter t- Brown. Keter, Keter, Keter Bar- Brown, yeah. He's, uh... I, 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 I'm looking him up. I want to see, like, what else he's done. Um, he was in 13 episodes of Bakugan Battle Planet. Yeah, yeah he also, cool. he, does like he does mostly uh, voiceover, voiceover work. work now. Yeah. yeah. But his performance at the end was amazing. Yeah, and he really grows throughout the yeah, film, I and, feel like. You yeah. know, and there's a lot of times where it's like, oh, like, is he, like, is he dead? Is he okay. not dead? Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I feel okay. like the sense of mystery as a whole does a, is done really well in the film. And even watching it back, you know, mm-hmm. for the people who are aliens and the people who aren't, you sort of watch it back. And you're like, well, mm-hmm. are there any tells? You know, okay. I think. Yeah. And that goes to with what I was going to talk about with the twist, right? Like the, the biggest twist is are the kids. That is that is the best twist in the movie. I love that, and uh, I think the airport scene, or not the airport scene, the whole movie's in the airport. I feel like the uh, the bag scanner scene oh, is right. really good. Yeah, and Matt, they, it's basically the same thing as the scene in the thing where they cut the each other's test. fingers. Yeah. Where they oh, do okay, the they blood, do the blood test. test, yeah. Except instead of that, they scan people through the bag check scanner. Oh, hell yeah. I, I yeah, and it's really cool. I think that's the one scene in the movie that you can argue they did better than the thing. Yes. Well, the, the, okay. the, the only uh, interesting part was near the beginning when the military dude came up and everyone's like, oh, could he be the hero? Blah, blah, blah. And then he, yes. he accidentally gets shot by the CEO guy. Oh, hell and yeah. That's the most hilarious con- uh, continuity issue that I had with it is the CEO guy killed someone <laughs> and everyone at well, the end see, was so fine with it and chilling But with see, I kind of appreciate that, right? Because like, are you, you really going to leave that guy to die for something which honestly was, you know, like what would you do in this scenario, you know? So you're saying his actions were justified. I, I feel like I it adds that. some ambiguity to the character's motives. Okay. And even then it's like, well, is he an alien? Is he not? I, I, I think yeah. it adds a nice bit of intrigue to it. And it serves as a nice counterpoint to Bruce Campbell shooting someone earlier. It's like you sort of understand why he would shoot someone. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah. the first person he shoots well, he, is He didn't kill the alien. military guy. The, the other guy did. The, the right, c- the evil CBC. Right, right, right. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but like, I, I think, I, I, I don't know. I thought that if they kept him around long enough, he would really have thrown off like who I would have guessed the true the alien would be. But you know what? At the end of it, I, I had fun. Um, not a great film, um, but sometimes all you can ask Sean, for. Yeah, it, it is a good time. Um, 
like Sean S. Cunningham, like Friday the Thirteenth. Um, he he tried to. I I got the sense of he tried to mimic what he did with the first Friday the Thirteenth. Like okay. his like you know this guy yes. has a has a thing for whodunit type of horror films. Okay. And the first one, yeah. you know how you don't know that it was Jason's mother. You think it was really some camp counselor that went crazy and, and that's a really or, good point this is like a whole movie Jason. dedicated to that yeah what well, to that kind of surprising moment is that is what you're saying is that yeah dedicated to? like i think he was trying to you know do that because you gotta keep in mind like this film came out in 2002 and he made he did friday the 13th the first one i forgot what what year i'm looking at oh, 1980 it was kind of like over 20 years and yeah. to see him trying to make an attempt um to do something like this um and and i kind of feel this is kind of his tribute to the thing um, he actually did a short film version of the thing in 2015 oh, really? which i see on his imdb but i haven't oh, actually okay. seen it so it's one of those things like that a, a video yeah yeah, that would explain a lot then. The, so, oh. yeah, I think he tried to do that. He he did it pretty well, but yeah, you can he only you produced... can only play around so much in the sandbox that big, you know. Uh, sure. that, yeah, you know what I mean. I do. Like, I do. Like the four rooms and stuff like you can only do so much. Um, well, hey, yeah. they they learned they knew when to get out. A cool eighty four minutes. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's all oh, you yeah, need. yeah. It wasn't long. It was it was good enough. But yeah, uh, shout out real quick to the writers, Louis Abernathy, John Jarrell, and Robinson Young. Um, and also, just so we're aware, um, the director of this film, Sean S. Cunningham, has quite a resume beyond Friday the 13th. Right. He produced The Last House on the Left, 1972. Oh, hell yeah. Holy shit. He produced uh, the original Friday the 13th. All four house movies... The oh, next yes. Friday the 13th movie he would produce is Jason Goes to Hell and then Jason X, oh, followed two, by two of the best ones. Freddy versus Jason and then the 2009 reboot. And let's had, not forget. You ben. had me until the reboot. Let's not forget. He actually produced, uh, he's one of the producers for the, the recently released, and when I say recent, 2017, the Friday the 13th, The Game, which is Oh, yes. okay, yeah. Yeah. Which was a lot of fun. I think ben, they just shut down the servers. Yeah, they ben, are this year. Oh, did ben, they shut it off? Or are they going to shut it down? Yeah, so play it while you can. If yeah, you, Ben if and you I can. played that quite a bit for a while. Oh, the it's kind of like Dead by Daylight, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. similar structure. I think Dead by Daylight definitely does the the the, the Yeah, they do the a, game a lot They better. started it. Yeah, they started it. They were ahead of the game. So That's for sure. So... Yeah, I would say final score. Six out of ten. Okay. And I would say two point five out of four. Just to be fair. It, okay. It's, it was entertaining. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, my it's, wife it's definitely less... laughed through it, so she had her fun. Was she supposed to laugh through it? That's my usually my question when it comes to a bend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I think that's fair. That's a for, fair, for a TV yeah. the thing movie. I think that's a fair reaction. I it's, it's, I give it, 
I give it a solid four out of five and like a three and a half out of four charms. But this is also one of my childhood movies. So yeah. I can understand that you would rank it a fair bit lower. But yeah, and IMDb has an average score of five out of ten. So okay, reasonable. I, I would get my entertainment value out of that. So You've gotten well, what typically you need. whenever IMDb whenever IMDb has anything below a six, I am it's either I hate it or I like it. But Yeah, it's either it's either it's as bad as people think or it's a movie that's just meant for a certain type of person. Yeah, yeah. Alright, now Monty, I know that you had something for Matt. How about you guys hash this out? What what's on the docket for this week? assignment i gave matt is something that it's one of the films i know i mentioned it a few times with you guys in the past when we talked about it um the the only thing that annoys me a lot is whenever i introduce this film to someone and they always go oh they copied snowpiercer no uh this film came out in 2008 uh if snowpiercer had any concept i would have to say it may have may have uh taken it from this could have been inspired Um, by i yeah could have uh i have to say um i i came across this film before it was a film i came across it uh from at a uh a local uh toronto used bookstore i was looking for graphic novels and i just happened to pick this up I love the artwork in it, and um, so I decided to pick it up, buy it, and then because I was uh, a stupid kid, um, I loaned it to someone, oh. and I never got the book back. The current resale value of this graphic novel is close to $400. Yeah, uh, I picked it up for 20 bucks, and I really wish that I could have gotten this book back and the title of this graphic novel is called from inside by john bergens and uh it's uh, it takes place in a ap- uh, apocalyptic world um the way i interpret it the movie is it's it looks like it's co- uh coming from some the main uh the protagonist's nightmare or dream i did ask it is open to for interpretation i did ask uh matt when we watched it together because i will watch this movie with anyone any time of the day and it's not a it's not a crazy long film an hour and 11 minutes so yeah it's it's, it's quick it's in and out bad. but yeah. i will say despite being an hour 11 minutes it makes you yeah. feel every 
fucking second of that hour and 11 minutes. So the movie tells the uh, story of a pregnant woman named C um, who's on this, you know, I don't like to, I hate to use it, Monty, but a snow piercer like train uh, that <laughs> Monty said is traveling through this horrifically a post-apocalyptic world kind of implied to be the, the outcome of a nuclear war. Um, mm-hmm. There's floods, there's wars happening, there's starvation, there's plagues, um, there's a, a mass everything. slaughter of a bunch of beef in the middle of the woods, in the middle of a train track. Um, some incredibly shocking imagery. Um, and it really does feel like a nightmare. Monty puts it well in that, um, where you see this character traversing this train and learning more about each part of it. You know, including that element that you see in Snowpiercer where as you travel on the train, the individuals on the train are completely separated by class and yeah. where some some travelers are experiencing a relatively nice train ride, not a happy one, but a relatively comfortable one, including our character for certain periods. Other ones are cast off into the back in kind of a, 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 a animalistic suffering. Um and you get to watch this character suffer and deal with the trauma and the memories of her husband and of the life she lived and the life she's currently living, all while kind of focusing around the the concept of her carrying this baby um, it, and this carrying it to the like end Snow of the Snowpiercer. It's a lot like Snowpiercer, um, yeah. but it feels very different because this has, I think, one of the bleakest. Um, and like heaviest tones. Um, we all watched the film mirror mask recently. Um, and that movie feels like a dream illustrated and put to film. Um, this movie has that exact same element, but twice fold, um, because it is actually just animated cells from the graphic novel. Um, so there are, they took the pages out of the book and just put it in somewhat like, uh, you know, minor editing or, you know, yeah, oh, he definitely animated yeah. them. I mean, it does, the movie feel, it doesn't just feel like a motion, motion comic you'd watch on YouTube. It feels like a full movie. Yeah. Um, and it was directed and produced by John Bergen, who did the comic as well. And I think the most interesting aspect about it is Ben, can you guess what famous musician did the score for the movie? David Bowie. <laughs> no, he's got the, the 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 guy has a very no a very famous voice, a very particular way of of singing, and, and includes a uh, a role in the movie Toy Story. Oh, Randy Newman, actually Gary Newman. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> so Gary Newman does all of the mu- does all of the music for this movie, um, and I, I'm pretty sure that comes. Uh, from uh, John Bergen's deep connection to the music scene uh, yeah. and, and the world of music and art. Now, um, I, I'll, I'll kind of wrap up my, my thoughts on this movie. I, I, I thought it was incredibly good. Um, yeah. You move through a series of chapters. Um, it is kind of a slow drag. Um, you know how, Ben, when you and I watch Calvair, there's, kind of, there's the presentation that like, oh, this is a movie you got to get through. Right. right. And it's not. It's kind of like a limp dick terrible movie because fuck Calvair. Um, right. This movie really is like an effort to get through. Um, so is it is it tonally or is it visually or is it both? Both. But both. primarily yeah. the tone. This is like this is without a doubt an atmospheric movie. 
Right. So it's not like a Raw where, like, it's no. really graphically violent. I don't even think Raw is that graphic, but whatever. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not, like, trying to, like, fuck with your head by, like, brutalizing you. But there are intense images, but it's much more of, like, a... Ooh, that's a good example. Um, like, it, it has vibes of we're all going to the World's Fair. Okay. Yeah. Where, it, it, um, the or like a movie like she, Men. She narrates really carries it. Yeah. Because like Matt says, yeah, there are movies out there where it's strictly all narration and mm-hmm. it can be a drag to get through. But the way how it's written and how the voiceover uh, actress um you know portrayed the character it was just it just sucks you in because you want to hear what she has to say and uh, the art i mean the oh the the art is amazing you know they make the joke like in like snow and you can pause any frame and it's a piece and it's a it's a thing you could print out and put on your wall this movie has that tenfold uh especially given the unique nature of the animation um, cause it is directly animating from the page. Um, there's things added to it to make the animation actually work, but it is directly lifted from the page. And I think the, the, and Monty, I wish I could experience this as well. Reading the hardcover text must've been like so captivating and like almost heartbreaking. It was very, yeah, it was very, it's a tragedy, but, mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, for, for us like you know having dyslexia like this book the reason why i was able to understand it is the artwork in the book just always all is also the writing in the book you know what they say about pictures is a thousand words every page you turn it is um you know it it drags you it pulls you in to that story and to that world and you don't need too much dialogue. There wasn't that many dialogues in, no. in the book. Um, I love the artwork because I'm a huge fan of Francis Bacon. Okay. And yeah. I'm not sure if you guys know who he is, but yeah. he's yeah. So he he what John Bergens did to the the artwork, like even the cover is just very Francis Baconish, and I that's what really sucked me into that book okay. and opening it up so yeah so so the so is this more of a it seems like this is less about the story and more about the ambiance is is that right yeah i mean i, mean, I think the story is important and yeah. it, it pulls you through it but it is it is it's about the vibes it's it about is. it's about the experience of sitting and this, it's a real slice of life thing because there is right. there, there is a narrative, you know, there is a beginning, a middle, and an end. But yeah. really, you're just kind of getting a taste of this person's existence and their story ending. But you, there's not really this like grand, you know, story being told about the universe, um, which yeah, I it, think it's, is it's just it's kind of like um, listening to someone's story of a post-nuclear uh, kind of like world war z like the book version. yeah 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 it has yeah, that right. atmosphere or it's, like the it's road. not about some big climactic thing it's we're here and this is what it's like yeah. yes yeah you know remember, and, do you remember and, the film and yeah. the, the film men how yes. there is kind of that climactic moment but the movie just kind of ends right you kind of yeah. sitting with that feeling and the kind of you know vibes of what happened it has that kind of ending where it swells, there's this moment of like, holy shit, and then it's just over. 
And then it leaves it to you to kind of understand what happened. And to me, where Monty saw it as the character's kind of like dream or nightmare, um, I feel like the character is actually dead in the movie. Um, and mm. this is their like purgatory slash afterlife. Um, like it, 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 because it puts the character through these trials and tribulations through these really hard and horrible moments um, as a way of the character kind of reaching that's that space of development and growth. And I think with where the story ends and what you get with it, um, we get to see that character kind of go on their journey, um, their journey through hell either. And either they, depending on your perspective that the main character see either, escapes her kind of hell-like experience or she fails and, and ends up and stuck would, in hell i want to add it's hell-like experience but in a sense of uh in the theme of motherhood as yeah. well that, that, that motherhood it's deeply connected plays, to the yes it, it plays a very heavy role into it and it's kind of like you can tell the character was yeah it was really really negative they don't she doesn't know what to expect yeah. uh what's what's gonna be next like she knew she thinks that oh this is hell and this is it but it, it just takes you on you know uh, hop on this train and go on this ride and yeah it, it, it takes you on a very interesting ride i don't want to spoil the the ending but yeah it, um, this a, sounds very good and like something i really don't want to watch <laughs> yeah i yeah I, I really think you should though um yeah. and i and i will i will recommend not only checking out this movie um but by virtue of of this movie i decided to take a dive into its creator um john bergen and i haven't dove into all of his material deeply but just looking at the breadth of what he's worked on now john bergen is a real um multimodal artist he does yeah, illustration yeah. design music and has worked a lot as an art director um you can find all of his work either on his instagram or what i recommend is checking out his website which is stomp box 13 um which is a studio that uh, that he runs it is him it's just his studio for releasing and promoting all of his work and he's actually worked on um, either as a music director or a uh, artistic director or illustrator. So many incredible projects. He's worked on two seasons of Mr. Robot. Uh, he worked on the film Drive. He yeah. worked on this film uh, from inside and, it, and its follow-up. Uh, he worked on, I believe, season uh, three of, the, uh, of Hannibal. He worked on the great, really brutal and intense movie Super. Um, which if you haven't seen super, go look it up. Uh, he I want to know how this dude's brain works. I don't, yeah, I want to find out very directly. He worked on the, uh, the cassette release of the Hellraiser soundtrack. Um, I think <laughs> that's awesome. I don't know what he did on it, but he worked on it. Um, uh, he also worked on the Nacho Libre box set and vinyl release for the soundtrack. What year did the Hellraiser cassette soundtrack release? It in? doesn't say on his website, but I'll, we'll have to find out. He also um, made a music video um, for ar arguably one of my top five favorite movies of all time, which is the A24, fam A24 film Swiss Army Man. Um, mm. One of the most 
beautiful and, and unique things about that film was its score, um, which was primarily done utilizing the voices of Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. Um, and the songs use their repeated dialogue and word and spoken word and sung words to create musical atmosphere and soundscape. And he actually, um, made a music video for one of my favorite songs from the movie montage. Um, one of the most incredible music videos I think I've ever seen. And just reading his little, um, blurb about it, he made the, it looks like he, is hand drawing the words as they appear on screen, but you can't see his hand or the marker. And uh, he anecdotally, he says that while doing it, it took him over 300 layers in After Effects just to get the music video right. Uh, oh, bro, this guy is there. like a true, true artist. He's a true artist. I, I highly yeah. recommend you check out his work. His illustrations and his artwork in general are beautiful. Um, Something else I'm very interested in that he does for friends of for fans of Dune out there is that he uh, very regularly will paint and design covers uh, for Dune books that don't exist. Um, it's like Frank Herbert and styled books that take place in the Dune universe, but he creates his own covers. Um, and I probably to some degree his own little mini stories to capture um these worlds and not only across all of that art he's also released several albums of music um he has a really interesting industrial project called black mouth that he is in with two other artists he also has his solo work which is again more kind of like synth wave and um industrial music as well as having done music he's released multiple soundtracks or produced multiple soundtracks to be released coinciding with special editions of comic books including the special edition of the crow comic um mm, apparently yeah. he was also close friends with the director of that film um and so much more from uh john bergen uh the last thing i'll shout out because we will definitely talk about it at some point on the podcast um he was a, a producer and music director um for the film but want to get the name right uh for the film the uh the rise of the synths which is a uh, a documentary all about the synth wave scene and the development of this really incredible underground style of music um that he is a part of and many other artists are a part of so Go check out John Bergen's work. We'll definitely be back to talk about him and some of his artwork. How, how more. do you spell John Bergen? Uh, John J O N H or H N. No, J O H N. Yeah. And then B E R G I N. What G I N? Okay. And I, I was wondering I actually, if we had a. I, I found him on Instagram. Here. Yes, I follow. Yeah, follow him on Instagram. His Instagram yeah. is fantastic. I and follow yeah, I mean, us on Instagram <laughs> at Fourth Times the Charm. And and Mr. Bergen, if you if you'd be interested in talking to us, reach out to us on Instagram because I'd love to talk to you. Um, I still have. I, I I asked. I reached out to him on Instagram a while back, and I did ask him if he had any more of that graphic novel. So, Mr. Bergen, if you're hearing this, <laughs> I would like one, please, and I would treasure it forever is the I key to podcasting novel. he's also <laughs> i also I, I i meant i forgot to mention his several book releases including uh from inside but he's also released several comics and books uh feels like rain 
which is a really disturbing cover because I don't like worms. Uh, a, a project called Wednesday, which you know must have been great releasing with Wednesday now being a TV show. Um, some stunning art on the cover for a movie called Dust, which is a, a collection of short comics and many other um, releases. So I highly recommend you go and check out John Bergen's work or follow this him on dude's Instagram. really like a like a why wow, this dude does everything yeah his yeah, art his, style his, is is outstanding as well his art is cool as hell see this is the reason why i'm telling you this guy i just happened to find his book in a mm-hmm. used bookstore and the art just absorbed me and you know i just want to do a quick shout out for him again his instagram is john x b e r g i n so yeah, definitely check him out. But I, I want to hear your he, reading. He is not he is not John Bergen, Ian, who was shot to death by George <laughs> F. Klein in August no. 1922. Nope. No, no, no. no. Offered to fight duel, Slayer taxes victim with insulting Mrs. Klein and hands mm. him a pistol. Later takes weapon back. Quote: George Klein killed me. Written on piece of paper found in dying man's pocket. Amazing. And on that note, Matt, what's your rating on, on the movie? Uh, it's definitely a four out of four charms for me. I think it's a All movie right. that, that, that situates itself in that charms and its vibes. And then uh, as far as quality um, from a general sense, I'd give it a three and a half out of five. It's very beautiful and well done, yeah. um, but it is really kind of like an atmospheric journey more than it is, I think, like a tremendously like, you know, our tour perspective movie. Uh, but again, a very, very, very good time. Yeah. And you guys can watch his film. It's free on it's, YouTube. Yeah. Free on YouTube. Yeah. You uh, released through Lakeshore records who he, yeah, uh, he if you go on inside. his site, if you click on film, he has it uh, playing yeah. linked to his site too. And yeah, I, I, I think my rating would stand as, and I told Matt this, that the same day we watched it together was, this is definitely one of my top, in in my top five movies, for this sure. this is your mirror mask. This is my mirror mask. Yeah, like but found, I, I don't want to say mirror mask. I don't like mirror mask. I also have mirror mask, and and I like it. So, yeah, it's uh, it, you're the Whoa. other person that I know that like likes well, that movie. So I, I just have it. to say that. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> but, well, yeah. we have saved the. Uh, the most for last. Yes, I was really hoping that was going to be the language you used to to, to set this up, Ben. Uh, Matt, how would blood you describe blood for your homework for me in Blood for Dracula? Frankenstein comes. May I introduce Count Andy Warhol's Dracula. Let me out tonight. No, not tonight. But I don't have the food I eat. They only have chicken, vegetables I've never seen before. I'm sure they have no virgin meat. It must be tonight. The girls are beautiful. They look so pure. But how can we get at them? You're a loaded fracture! 
How old are you? Little girl? You don't know what boys do with little girls? No. Your sister never told you? You will be too last. You are a virgin? Yes. You're telling me the truth? Yes. I believe you. What are those marks? The kiss of Count Dracula. 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 After Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, here is Andy Warhol's Dracula. I really love the way you describe that movie, Ben, because it is all about a lot. Um, Blood for Dracula, not Blood of Dracula, is a 1974 horror film written and directed by Paul Morrissey and starring the amazing Udo Kier. Um, he really holds the entire movie together. Um, it was initially released in West Germany in the United States. It was released, uh, released as Andy Warhol's Dracula. Um, now Andy Warhol, the, the, the amazing phys, uh, artist and pop artist, um, had worked on several other, um, movies that were like the retellings of, of famous horror characters, including the, uh, the movie that Udo Kier also worked on flesh for Frankenstein which we will have to come back to at another time. Um, this is a very intense movie. Um, basically, the structure of this movie goes that Dracula is sick and dying um, because he needs to drink pure virgin blood. And there is really no virgin blood left in Romania or Transylvania. And so if you can think of the place that has the most Catholic innocent women in, in the world, especially in Europe at the time, you think of Italy. Uh, so Dracula and <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Uh, Wait, I was going to say, can he drink, does do baby blood count? <laughs> you know, probably, but like they're running out of virgins. He's, he oh. sucked the blood of all the virgins. <laughs> My gosh. What um, a sucker. Yeah, right. What a sucker. So so uh so Dracula and his minion travel all the way um to uh yeah, Arno Jernsen as Anton, who is instead instead of a uh uh more Igor, it's it's Anton, which is apparently Dracula's manservant, who again does a killer performance in this character, um, takes him on his journey all the way to this um how would I describe it? Like a chateau in Italy where a family with four daughters is waiting to receive them um, who are a family who are on hard times and are falling apart. And so they believe that by um, courting this Transylvanian rich uh, aristocracy member, they might come out of their financial ruin. Um, and hopefully to Dracula's sense as a home full of virgins. But what you learn as you watch the movie is that this is by far um, from a, uh, a family of virgins and, and, and loving innocence, deeply Catholic loving individuals. As you get to uh, experience the entire joy and breath of this uh, very unique family. Now this, this movie is a pretty grotesque at times off putting um, at times, greatly entertaining and funny and comedic um, commentary on the world at large. 
Um, there, uh, the worker played by uh, Joe DeLosaro uh, regularly talks about rape um, and communism and workers' rights and the downfall of the bourgeoisie uh, and so much more. Uh, ben, I sent this movie to you because it was one of the biggest highlights from the music box of horrors. Uh, as I've mentioned in the past, I got to watch this movie sitting basically next to Udo Kier um, while he laughed and was surrounded by, I think for the first time in many years, a audience that truly loved and showed the respect and enjoyment of the movie that he, uh, he made and was a part of. Uh, and I don't think there's anything better than an, uh, an Austrian German playing a Transylvanian, uh, Dracula, who's kind of doing like a French accent. It's very strange. Ben, what did you think of blood for Dracula? <laughs> I, uh, prepared a response actually. Oh, wow. Um, it's Wait. a bird. It's a plane. It's blood for Dracula. This film answers the question of why, with LOL, I don't know, Udo Kier stars as Dracula, a past-his-prime anxious millennial vampire in post-war pre-revolution Romania, whose well of virgins has run out. Uh, his personal Igor Anton suggests he goes to the religious pastures of Italy, where the Count tries to find his new mate amongst a cadre of sex-crazed starlets, who are being courted by the resident landscaping communist rapist. It's a battle courted for women between word. the old guard and the new, vaulting from comedy to horror to incest to gore. Mm -hmm. Blood for Dracula is an exercise in excess that takes place in an era stuck in place, waiting for the inevitable. I thought it was okay. <laughs> okay. Um, wow. So... I watched the movie and the immediate vibe I got while watching it was triangle of sadness. I don't, <laughs> I, I want to understand I feel why. Like, I feel like this is a movie that hits different in the right place. Yeah. If you're watching this in a theater with a bunch of people who love it and are into it, who are like into these, who are, who's like into it and they're ready to react to it. It's a pretty good satire of Dracula, yeah. of communism, of, you know, the old guard. And just the kind of the transition of power in the world of Europe right now. Yeah, it's a, it, it the serves transition as an example. Of power and this, and this feeling of unknowingness mm -hmm. that pervades through post-war Europe. Um, and if you're watching it by yourself, <laughs> it's just kind of a weird movie. I can't, I can't imagine really say a lot, but it's like an Andy Warhol movie. So it is, it is very you, well, like, that's what I was, I presume you would expect it to be right. Yeah. I think, it. I think it, yeah, feels but that doesn't like mean it. I need to like it particularly. <laughs> All right. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like it's it's fine, right? I get that. I was actually looking because I watched the movie and I was like, I don't really know how I'm supposed to feel about this because the accents are really funnily bad. Yeah, they're they're awful. And people just... like go in and out of them like that's funny. A, Dracula is like a little piss boy is how I described him in yeah. my notes. 
Uh, and that's that's funny. accurate. He is. He is a little like he's like <laughs> yeah. he's like oh the, no ah like it's yeah it's this very he complains about everything. I I um, think it's, I think it's the his, most Jewish Dracula I've yeah. ever seen in my life. Well, I I think some of the best moments of the entire movie are or are when like near the end when he's finally like fighting and he's he's, he's like ah oh yeah. Ooh, yeah, like if throughout he's, he's the being, end of the he's film, he's being chased by the communist rapist and he, open rapist too. He's not even like yeah. aha. That's the only like no. That's, I, that's, his, that's the part of the movie trait. We're if getting you, there, Matt. If, we're, we're getting there. There's a lot to go over here. It is a. You 70s, want to talk about Dracula? We're talking about Dracula. We are talking about blood for Dracula. In the last scene, he's he's running away from the communist rapist, and mm-hmm. it's like the most ineffectual, like girly man run I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah. Like the contestants of RuPaul would cringe. Well, at and, this and guy. Part part of, he goes like, eh. part he, of that. He gets his he gets his arms chopped off. Yeah. And he goes, you cannot stop me (laughs) as he's lying on the ground with two arms missing. And so, so Ben, one of the best things about that scene in particular and the movie in general is during this whole production, Udo Kier had lost 20 pounds in one week to make sure he looked correct. Um, And throughout the filming of the movie and specifically on the first day, he was so weak he couldn't stand up. Uh, which is why there's sections of the movies where he just kind of like is laying there doing nothing. And throughout the production, he felt fucking awful. So he like yeah, I can a lot, of, a lot of his performance was him being extremely sick. He went complete method. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it's Udo Kier. I mean, there's, what can you expect from him? True. True. I, so I'm, I'm, I'm watching this and, and there's moments like that. And then there's just 10 minute periods where it's not really funny. <laughs> it's just sort of there and it's expository. Well, you got to get, they got to get Andy Warhol's got to get his bits in. Paul yeah. Morrissey's got to know how you sorta, feel. You're just sort of waiting for the next thing to happen. I mean, I really felt like when I watched this, it really, and I think it was probably because of the energy of the crowd um, holding everything together. There is like no downtime in this movie. Because even when there is downtime, the the environment you're engaging with is fucking ridiculous. Like anytime Dracula drinks the wrong blood, <laughs> I think is some of the greatest performative work. Like the the fake seizures, the vomiting, like... I, it captures such an like an over the top, desperate. Yeah. Oh, I mean, Udo Kier's acting is it's uh, no, it I mean, it's fills, really good acting. He literally like, chews the scene in front of him. He is yeah gnawing it. It's like someone eating a T-bone steak at a three Michelin star restaurant by hand. Like wow. that's that's the kind of energy. And and Anton, I don't know who this man is who plays Anton, but by God. Does he give one of the most soul-shaking, like, chest-rattling performances? And he only did ten movies. He did Flesh, he did flesh for uh, Frankenstein, and then this, and then a, nothing else that anyone's seen. Yeah, Anton is... Anton might be a communist, but he's truly a symbol for MAGA Republicans. Well, no, a- the Anton's the assistant. Oh no, not Anton. Sorry, I was talking about the the rapist. You're talking. <laughs> yeah, Anton. You're talking about Mario. 
Yeah, that's I mean, Mario. Yeah. Anton, no, Anton Anton's is the a star, baby. Yeah, Anton's incredible. Anton's the heart and soul of this entire movie. He really Outside is. Udo Kier. Th- there's a scene where Anton sops up uh, blood oh, yes. with bread from for Dracula. Mm. And the way he describes it, you would think that we're going through like the planning session in Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, it's it's pretty excellent. Like, so my yeah. question is for someone who hasn't watched it, I, I'm now intrigued. I really want to check it out. Was it meant to be a comedy or not? I mean, I, I, well, I well, what did yes. you read, Ben? I from what I read is that it's supposed to be a it, it's supposed to make a mockery of pretty much everything in the movie of the concept of Dracula, of communism. Yeah. Of, you know, the role that people had in the war of, you know, rich clinging on to their failing <clears throat> wealth and influence. It's supposed to be taking the piss out of everything here. Um, and and it does that, I suppose. Uh, there, there's a lot of <laughs> choice quotes in this movie, and I did write down a few, Matt, if, <laughs> if you'd like your thoughts on them. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very ready. Sorry. I was uh the uh the the father of our four matrons in this movie keeps saying Dracula's name oh, and yes. trying to make himself okay with it. <laughs> he says Dracula. Just the right amount of Orient and Oxford. <laughs> uh the landscaper, the 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 house servant, yeah, asks, "What does your sister do all day?" I'd like to rape the hell out of her. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Um, and also, probably my favorite vocal tick of the movie goes to Anton. Okay. In his insistence on finding for Count Dracula, a nice. Virgin. <laughs> virgin. Virgin. He doesn't even do the V bit. He goes full on virgin. Yeah, because he's German. A few times in the movie. <laughs> so, wait, to describe the vibe of this movie, I describe it as being closer to like a music video. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm, okay. Not. Not. Well, not okay. a full-on music video, but it has the vibe of a music video. Just like how Mirror Mask mm-hmm. kind of has this vibe of, like, it's about the journey. This is really a moment in time more than anything. Like, yes, it's a story about Dracula looking for a wife. But more so than that, it's about what's around him. It's about these lecherous women who really aren't even lecherous, well, except for the incestuous lesbians. Yeah, the, the lesbian incestuous <laughs> sisters. I mean, yeah. as 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 you as you can see um uh by uh oh, where would it go? Oh yeah, by well, one the of the lines I in the movies describe... where it says, "Well, if you must know, this man is obsessed with marrying a virgin." And then the servant goes, "Oh, well, you didn't tell me this. So what's he doing with you two whores?" Whores, actually, whores, is what yes. he said. Well, I'm, said glad, I'm glad you remembered the pronunciation. Yeah, this movie features child rape. Yeah. 
multiple rapes. The first rape only stops when she tells him that she loves him. Yeah, that's what ruins it for him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what to make of this movie. This movie is like... It's of its time. Is it of its time? Yeah. What other movies are like this? Well, there's a there's a massive litany of like sexploitation movies that um, exist all throughout, especially Italy and France in the 70s, um, that are all very much like this. This is just one of the only examples where the performances and the writing is anything more than just the ridiculous, over-the-top crazy shit. There are there are there's an entire subgenre of films that came out in this era and this time, and this is like Andy Warhol's version of one, which is what to I me see. makes it worth seeing. Um, I see. Yeah, like there's I mean there's hundreds. There's you could there's movies like you know the movie X that recently came out. X was a an example of a sexploitation movie being made in the modern day. That's true. Yeah. And like, Back it's, in the 70s, so it's such a lot of that. Yeah. I mean like yeah. the, like the movies, like I spit on your grave were in that kind of field of horror at the time, but they, they're so well done or so synonymous with their, the quality or the things that make them different that they kind of elevated out of it and became their own wave of horror. And it's not like French extremism. It's just over the top shit for the sake of tits and like so showing off I, like wacky stuff happening. I guess they're like shock features emanating from this movie. Mm-hmm. Is it good? And I still don't know that I can really give an answer on it. This movie, watching it for me, sort of felt like watching a comedy set. Except you can't hear any of the laughter. Yeah. But did you find it funny? Sorta. <laughs> I found I I found it really funny and horrifically cringy. Like if I watched it, I think if I watched this alone in my office, I'd have a very different experience than I did watching it <laughs> in a theater full of people. Right. And right. so my question from that is. If you need to be in a certain scenario to watch this, does no, it make it good? I, I think, think so. it certainly can be. I think this is I don't think that's always the case, but I think in 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 this movie's case it is. I think this movie's worth But does that watching. make the movie good or does that make the movie so bad it's good? Oh, I don't think the movie's bad at all. I don't think it's necessarily bad either. I feel like it does what it wants to. Yeah, it, it, it's doing exactly what it needs to do. And it's doing it with like an intention and effort. Um, and I think it's, I think it does for the movie that it is, for the time that it was made and for what happens in it, it's the best movie it could have been. I guess, um, I guess. And Udo Kier's performance alone is enough for me to like, really elevated to the point where I'm like enamored by it. Here's, here's, I guess the best angle I can come at it from mm -hmm. the cinematography. Really good. The cinematography tries to take the piss out of cinematic cinematography because there's several scenes where it aggressively zooms in on someone. <laughs> Hell yeah. To make a point that really isn't particularly important. Well. But 
that's where the cinematography gags stop. You get like two gags throughout the whole movie and that's sort of it. And that's kind of where I was left feeling with the movie. Okay. Where I was like, this is funny. And this is funny. (laughs) And this is funny. But I feel like the whole is maybe less than the sum of its parts. Okay. And I feel like if I I feel like for me to get like my full enjoyment out of this, Mm -hmm. I would expect it to be more in certain areas, right? If you're going to take the piss out of cinematography, the rest of your cinematography for the movie better be on fucking point. And it's okay. And because it's okay, when something like that happens, you're like, well, is that because they're doing that to be silly? Or is it because they're doing that because they just thought that was the right thing to do? And so it gives the movie overall a feeling of just being sort of strange. That's my takeaway. The movie's just sort of strange. I'm happy I watched it. Sure. And I feel like if I watched this with you and with a group of people, it'd be really funny. But Mm -hmm. judging the movie on its own merits, I think it's incredibly charming. Four out of four charms. That's for sure. I think the acting from the main characters is very good. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Oh. Too good. And I think everything around it ranges so wildly and desperately that I don't really know what to make of it. And so my overall vibe is like, it's fine. It's not like Triangle of Sadness. Triangle of Sadness is is offensive. Yeah, that's why I was so Be- confused. Because it's when a movie made by rich book. people pretending to take the piss out of themselves, but not really. Only like what's 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 you know within their guidelines. Yeah, right? It's their, This their, is a movie that dictating. takes the piss out of everyone, and that's good, but it also feels confused and strange and like as many masters. And I suppose that's what they were intending from it. Yeah. I just don't think it makes for a wonderful solo experience. Sure. I could see this saying something similar about a movie like Bo is Afraid. Where if you watch that in the wrong setting or like by yourself, it definitely changes the, the viewing experience. I think this is like the opposite to Bo is Afraid. I feel like... If you're in a big party setting, mm-hmm. Blood for Dracula is amazing. Yeah. If you watch Bo is Afraid at a party, you're going to think it's the worst fucking movie oh, of all time. Oh, yeah. No, but I, when I when I say it's similar to um, for Bo is Afraid, I'm, I'm, I mean so far as that the people around you and the setting in which you consume it drastically yes. changes yes, the, film, I, the experience you're going to have. In a different way than, yes, than you would get from... Uh, uh, from Bo is Afraid, where I think you really want to watch that movie like in a dark theater by yourself. Yeah, definitely. So, like, would you guys watch this movie again? If definitely. We all watched it together. 100%. If we all watched it like in person, 
together. Yeah. I'd love to watch it again. I don't want to watch it by myself again. And I don't really <laughs> recommend that anyone does that. This for me qualifies as like, as like a night of the bloody apes, uh, Rocky horror picture show like that vibe of movie. Okay. Like Rocky horror is a good movie, but if you're going to watch it, you should watch it like in a theater with people doing all the bits, you know, eh, like that's see, I'll, part of it. We're, we're very different in that way. Cause I'll watch Rocky horror by myself anytime. Sure. Sure. I mean, Rocky horror is different. I think Rocky horror is a much better movie than this. Yeah. But I I'm saying that like the live experience is a part of the movie. And yeah. I think, that that's what I'm missing from Blood for Dracula. So I will watch it again. Mm-hmm. So long as it's with other people who are ready for All this. Right. You're, they're, that, are, they're there for the experience that you're trying to have. Listen, yes. This movie can go on our Halloween Horror Night. <laughs> oh, that's definitely happening. <laughs> but. So, uh, so right. yeah, just... just Let's ixnay the rape stuff. Yeah, that's not that's not a preferred <clears throat> aspect of the film, I would say. No, no, it's it's quite alarming. Yeah, it's not not. Oh, is it like really and, bad and, that I uh, you guys think I I won't be able to say because you know how I feel. Someone is literally two people are raped on screen. Oh, okay. it's not like yeah, brutal, but it's not. You know, no, I mean like the. Outside it's, not of like Udo spit on, Kier, it's not like I spit I, on your grave. Yeah, outside of Udo Kier and the guy who plays Anton, the acting is very wooden. Oh, oh, come on. It's it's authentic. <laughs> it's very wooden. I like so it. like and, and I think that was sort of what they wanted. So it's not like it's not graphic. It's like, oh no. Stop. Stop. Hmm. <laughs> you know. <laughs> It's wow, not it's, it's like it's like bad. it's not trying to be hot. Okay. Or I guess I guess I guess it actually no more more so it's trying to be hot less than it is trying to be like horrifically disgusting. Yeah, it's uh it's like porno acting but without any porno. Yeah, it's exploitation. Or without any acting. <laughs> yeah, well, depends on who you That's in the eye of the beholder. Yeah. Mm. But uh I would give it overall probably a three out of five yeah and a uh a three and a half or four out of four charms it's a very charming movie even if i don't know what that specific charm is i can agree with that i feel very similarly it's a very charming movie it's a good time like if you're watching it in the right setting with the right people um but it's it's yeah it's not like a happy-go-lucky viewing experience i'm glad i watched it Yep, it's an important piece of history. And so, before we go, <laughs> it's time I, for I just, our sorry, assignments. Sorry, I just wanted to say that this yes. is for, I, I think this is a record, guys, because we all liked each other's picks. That is true. Right? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, right? We're coming like, together. We always clash. Uh, like our some, periods it's never are a sinking. Moment. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. All right. Well, that, that we lot. need to assign homework yes, for do. next week. Now, Matt, uh-huh. you gave me an assignment for mm-hmm. this week, 
What are you assigning Monty for next week? So for next week, I'm actually going to be assigning something that I think is going to come a little bit out of left field for me as a pick. I'm going to be assigning a game. Um, I am going to be signing the uh, new. It's not like new, not new in the fact that it just came out, but new to me game inside Uh, inside is a puzzle platformer. Um, that I spoke about last week on the podcast is made by the same production studio as who made uh, Limbo. Um, I also recommend you check this out, Ben, if possible. Um, it is a, a close friend of ours uh, has a common character that they like to draw um, of a small, sad boy. Uh, and this movie its main character is a small sad boy and i think you'll understand and appreciate the thematic experience you'll have i would recommend the game control to you monty but i'm not going to give you a 30 hour game to play um uh, this is a quick you know three or four hour game and i'm very excited to see what you think about it all right i'm down for that i i have it in my library i'm Fantastic. glad you you're making me play a game yeah. that i haven't booted up so this I'll is this is one of the only games that in a very long time i've gone out of my way to a hundred percent outside of like the stanley parable and inscription there's been very and there's been very few games where i'm like i have to get and discover everything this game has um and this was a game that definitely inspired me to do that all right all so right well my, in turn monty what, what are you laying you? on me <laughs> <laughs> all right i was i was fumbling through it um i'm gonna get you to watch uh because matt says you don't watch enough movies so we're, we're forcing it down your throat i'm gonna get you to watch a 1994 uh classic european horror film Ooh, okay oh since we're on the su- to su- subject of, you know, exploitation, sex, and everything. Oh, great, great, great. Great inspiration to take. <laughs> so, that, yeah, your conversations have led me to, to choose this film. Good, uh, good. I'm glad, we're, I'm glad we've inspired this. Uh, okay, so 1994 film, horror slash comedy, okay. called Cemetery Man. Ooh. Cemetery Man. Have you seen it? Or have no, you I have it? not. Okay. In Italian, it was called Della Morte dell'Amore. Ooh. It's an Italian film, but shot in English. Okay, um, sexy. I like it. It's about uh, uh, a cemetery keeper, and a lot of crazy things starts happening, and the dead have risen. Um, it, I think... I hope you'll like it. Um, it's I, it's not my top five, but somewhere in my top 20 film. Hell yeah. Fair enough. Um, I discovered this film back in the day when I was just searching for, I, I was on a roll of watching a lot of European horror films in the 90s because okay. there was a lot out there. Um, mm. But yeah, this movie stars Rupert, one of Rupert Everett's uh, early films. And, okay. Um, yeah, it's. I can't say too much. It's got zombies. It's got sex. It's got a cemetery. It's. I'm, got I'm sh- getting. I'm. I'm noticing a theme for my picks. 
<laughs> Lots of fucking sex. <laughs> Lots of undead and sex. Well, that's There's the that's the vibe. That's the vibe you give off, Ben. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, in the green get room, that a lot. you know, you, you kicked us off. So yep. yeah, you got we, us in the yeah. mood. Yeah. Well, you I'm going that to we take a close things to out here. <laughs> Matt, I have a movie for you. Okay, I'm ready. This is this is I, gonna. I, I'm interested to see where you're going with this one coming from you. Yep. Um. I'm I'm extending my streak to two weeks without anything directly wrestling. However, wow. how can we this coexist? movie I'm going to have you watch okay. is interesting and, and it and it's important to me in particular because I used to write for the Pro Wrestling Torch. That is true. Mm-hmm. And the writer, director, as well as the producer and star of this movie, both individuals okay. used to write for the Pro Wrestling Torch. Oh, shit. Okay. In fact, one of them was featured within the last few years on Channel 5 News with Andrew Callahan. Oh, no. Which is why, Matt, since I'm friends with this man on Facebook. Yeah, you just admitted that. And I keep seeing him post ads for this movie, which came out this year. (sighs) Okay. I am having you watch the most recent release of The Ladies' Man... The next Hugh Hefner, (laughs) the showstopper, Sean Valentino, with his most recent movie, The Bachelor Murder Mystery. Who murdered The Bachelor? (laughs) Wow. Wow. Where where can I watch this movie? It's on Tubi at the very least, but I believe it's on Amazon as well. Hit me with that title one more time. Yes, yes, I. It is <laughs> okay. I'm ready. I want the Sean audience. Valentino yeah. starring in the Bachelor Murder Mystery. Who murdered the Bachelor? <laughs> now, I will warn you, Matt. Mm-hmm. I'm having you start. Midway through the series. Oh, come on. Because in 2018, showstopper Sean Valentino, that's his IMDb name, the showstopper Sean Valentino, came out with The Bachelor Party, The Bachelor Parody, The Playboy's Impossible Mission. And in 2019, the showstopper Sean Valentino starred in The Bachelor Party, it's a wonderful lifestyle, parentheses, the rise of showstopper, close okay. parentheses. So this is the third movie oh, wow. in the Bachelor series starring our favorite Bachelor, Sean Valentino. You know, I have to say I'm, I'm excited. We're going to go further in depth on this guy than even Andrew Callahan was able to. Jesus Christ. We're going to get the real story. And we're going to learn if this man truly is a showstopper 
<laughs> next week, when the fourth times the charm, good night and good morning! Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on 4DPC.org. And I guess we'll talk to y'all later. Yeah! yeah.